Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guests today are a married couple who are also the founders of the Wright Wellness Center. Rachel Wright is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's also a musical theater nerd, gluten-free connoisseur, marriage counselor, and a licensed psychotherapist. And her husband, Kyle Wright, former bartender, gamer, geek, outdoors enthusiast, and relationship expert. Welcome, Rachel and Kyle. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Catherine. We're so happy to be here. Absolutely. So happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the relationship business. How did that happen, and how did you end up doing it together? So long story very short, because it would take up many hours to tell you the full story, I had a private practice in San Francisco. It was always my goal to have a private practice. It was like bachelor's degree, get my master's degree, have the room with the couch, and help couples. That was my mission in life. And after being in practice for about a year and a half, I realized that all the couples were coming in for the same thing. And it was really quite demoralizing because a lot of them were past the point of no return. They could not heal within the amount of time that they wanted, the damage that had been done on their relationship. And what my brilliant husband, who we met as corporate trainers in restaurants, and Kyle with his corporate training mentality said, well, it seems like they're coming in after the fact and they're being reactive instead of being proactive. And what we realized together was that our entire culture is like that. We don't teach people how to be in relationships, and we're essentially putting people behind the wheels of cars without going through any driver's ed, and then we wonder why the divorce rate is so high. So we started teaching people together because people requested to have both genders and kind of both points of view in the room and online, and we've been doing it now for almost five and a half years, and it's going really well. It's, it's wonderful. So we're really trying to change how our culture treats relationships, sex, and mental health. That's really interesting because, you know, when people come to my practice already, they've made the decision to divorce. And what they say to me is, well, we tried couples counseling, but basically it was too late. So mm-hmm. when do you think is a good time for people to get couples counseling? Who should go? What should they think about? And what would be a good timing for that? You know, we recommend going within the first year of dating because there's so much that goes on in our world, you know, with the amount of distractions and stress that we're going through on a day-to-day basis with push notifications on our phones, our email list is blowing up. There's so much out there in life that it's really refreshing and helpful to have support almost from day one in your relationship. Yeah, I would say as soon as you commit to each other that that's your person, whether it's an engagement or you moved in together, something that whatever means to you, like, okay, this is going to be my person. I'm no longer dating other people. I'm very committed. I would say go then. 
but you don't even have to go to couples therapy. And that's why we started what we're doing is that couples therapy has the stigma that something is wrong. And you right. don't have to wait until something is wrong to go. But that's why we started what we're doing is have somewhere for people to go where the work, quote unquote, is fun. It doesn't have to be, oh, we have this problem. Let's solve it. It's like, hey, why don't we learn the tools to not have the problem in the first place or to not have what life tosses at us as problems turn into bigger problems to know how to handle those things. It seems to me that some people think of going for some kind of help, relationship help, as being like there's something wrong with them personally. Like you should be able to do this. Like parenting, it's a similar thing. Well, you know, mm -hmm. since I can have a baby, I ought to be able to parent it well, right? And <laughs> Right? I mean, and since there is no requirement, like there is with driver's ed, that there be any kind of education at all. So people feel like, well, that's because we shouldn't need to have education. And so how do you deal with that, Rachel Wright and Kyle Wright, with the sort of the shame factor dealing with that sense of brokenness when what you're really trying to do is to keep that from happening and enhance the relationship rather than fix it? Well, we, we give them, you know, we try to deal with the shame almost immediately. And you're right, it is shame. It's, we give them the, the driver's ed metaphor almost immediately. It's, you know what, you were never shown how to do this, but it was expected of you almost immediately. There is no class. There is no education out there. So we immediately give them that. Like, listen, you're doing the right thing. You're ahead of 80% of the people out there just by reaching out in the first place for any kind of education and support. So first and foremost, don't feel bad about yourself for being here because you're better off than most just by doing it. Yeah, it, it's kind of like an analogy for food comes up where it's like, do you want to learn how to eat healthy? and maintain a healthy weight? Or do you wait until all of your clothes don't fit to learn about nutrition? You know, it, it's really learning these tools, like Kyle said, and, and you said, there is so much shame. And that sucks. It's, it's frankly really stupid that, that our culture has done this. Because just like with parenting, we don't know how to do that inherently. Yes, of course, we have instincts and to protect and keep our baby alive and to, you know, keep our marriage afloat. But 52% of people who are married right now would not consider themselves happy. Yeah, that's a crazy that, statistics. Isn't that nuts? That to us is just unacceptable. We're seeing these so many people settling for happy enough. Oh, I'm just, I'm happy enough. It's fine. Instead of striving for what could be an incredible relationship and life with their partner. Well, it's really interesting because a lot of times people come into my office and say to me, well, you know, it wasn't good, but I never thought it was that bad, right? When the, yeah. when the other spouse chooses to end it because they want something better than, you know, okay, or better than, you know, tolerable. Yep. Yeah. And that's exactly what that speaks to. Well, and that's a symptom, I think, of all of our, the, the media out there, that's like the mm -hmm. biggest challenge of what we do is that we have you know, a century of music, TV, movies, books, all telling a story of tolerance in your relationship. You know, it's just be okay with it because that's the way it is. You know, if you reach out for support, then there's a problem and you're, you know, you're weak as a couple. But when you have, you know, so many TV shows with a dysfunctional relationship that's glorified, people think that that's okay and normal for them too, when it's really not the case. 
Yeah, like even we were watching Friends just yesterday, actually, and I love that show. So many people love that show. More people love Friends than don't like Friends, right? It's like a cultural reference for many people. Monica and Chandler, two of the main characters, have one of the most unhealthy relationships ever depicted on television, and yet people will say at their weddings, like, oh, you're the Monica to my Chandler, or vice versa, <laughs> and we're sitting there like, oh, no, that's, that's not good. That's <laughs> a, it's a curse upon your heads. Yes, exactly, exactly, but yet it's glorified in our, in our culture. Well, you know, studies show that that sense of being in love lasts on average two years in couples. And so it's hard to make that transition. Do you think that is that people think that they're not happy because that feeling of being in love is gone or because they just don't know how to communicate what their real needs are or something else? I think it's both. I think that there is an expectation that what you feel will last forever even though on some level we all logically know that the quote-unquote honeymoon phase is going to go away, but it's how you communicate through that transition that truly makes or breaks it, in my opinion. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast on iTunes, SoundClouds, and on the podcast website, www.divorce.com dialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Kyle Wright and Rachel Wright. They're the co-founders of the Wright Wellness Center. And we're talking about relationships and where they go awry. So Kyle and Rachel, let's talk a little bit about sort of finding love post-divorce. I think that a lot of people leave their divorce thinking, oh my goodness, I'm back out here. I've been spit back out into the dating arena. And I don't really know what went wrong. And I don't want to repeat the same mistake. And yet, you know, I do want to repartner, but I'm scared to. Do you have any advice for people who are in that situation? Yeah, I mean, it, it is scary. And it does feel like that being sent back <laughs> out. That's, that's kind of what it feels like. I think that the most important thing to do when you find yourself in that situation is to start looking inward first to really reconnect with yourself. Because once you enter into a long-term relationship, that becomes part of your identity. That's a lot of who you are is built into that relationship. And then when the relationship ends, there's a gap in who you are. And so you need to really reconnect with yourself to find out what you want now that you aren't part of a partnership. Yes, and truly looking at how you contributed to the end of that relationship. And even asking, you know, with some couples, this is impossible, as you very well know. Um, but even asking your ex-partner, your ex-husband or ex-wife, of where could I have done better? If you're looking back on this, and, you know, this is why I love this concept called conscious uncoupling. Sure. That some therapists are trained in. And it's beautiful because you have this, call it closure, for lack of a better word, you have these closure meetings where you really reflect on, on the marriage and get to ask each other, you know, where could I have shown up better for you so that you can take that information into your next relationship and not just repeat the same mistake or patterns over again. And maybe that's, you know, hey, wow, I suck at identifying my feelings. Okay, cool. I'll get a book on how to identify my feelings. It doesn't necessarily have to be now I went to therapy and now I'm in this spiritual group. Like it could be just simply getting a book on the topic that 
is where you have your most area of opportunity to start. Yeah, you know, that sounds great. And I think for probably the majority of the people that I work with, they would feel that to be really vulnerable. I mean, because there would be, I think, a lack of trust that, yeah, I can do that with you. You know, if you're going to be kind, I'll be kind to you if you'll be kind to me. And in the immediate aftermath of splitting up or negotiating, you know, what the, who's going to get the house and what the parenting plan is going to be in the money, it can be really tough to be vulnerable with someone you feel has betrayed you in some way, even if you're the one who chose to end the marriage. Absolutely. 100%. And that's why, you know, we recommend that people take a hiatus from dating right away after a divorce or even after a breakup, if it's a serious long-term relationship, because you're right, we're, we're flooded with cortisol and adrenaline and all of these, you know, neurotransmitters and chemicals that make it really hard to think logically and to reflect back accurately. And so once that kind of fades away and once we're back to more of like our own homeostasis, whatever that looks like, we can then at least on our own even reflect back and see where we could have done things differently. You know, that's really interesting. I really can't resist the opportunity to write, to ask the two of you as a married couple who work with couples, if it's really true that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I say no. No, I can't agree with that. It's just too, the issue with something like that is that it, it, creates a narrative that doesn't necessarily define so many couples out there. I mean, sure, some couples play into that narrative, sure. absolutely. Absolutely. But it also writes a story for a lot of people that isn't really true for their relationship. In what way? People start to believe that stuff. Uh, Well, I mean, so much of our relationships, who we are, it's defined by our own individual upbringing. And if we just conform to a stereotype that's told to us since childbirth, then we never really got the chance to be who we wanted to be in that relationship. And that's why I think that the rediscovery time of yourself post-divorce or post-ending of relationship is so important. I will say, though, I like we are two different species, for sure. You know, a man's brain, there's been a lot of brain scan studies shown that a man's brain is, is shaped differently than a woman's brain. And actually, a, a male who is homosexual his brain looks more similar to the brain of a female. Yeah. Like the shape, right? So we are different, but that doesn't mean necessarily that those differences are going to show up in the same way in every relationship. Well, I think that's really interesting idea is that, you know, even if it's not necessarily true that men and women are different, and I think that they are, you know, I mean, there is, as you're saying, Rachel, some physiological differences that probably do actually have an impact on the way we think and feel and experience the world, right? So having some, and the reason I really ask you that, because I think there's a, there's a positive here that's not just about saying, okay, well, you're slot into the stereotype, so women should cook and men should be the breadwinner. You know, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if we can have some empathy for each other that we're different and we process things and we see things differently and both are okay rather than I'm right and you're wrong, because I think that for 
in my experience, you know, and I am on obviously the the bitter end, the tail end. That's I work with people at the end of their relationship, sort of coming apart. And so often when they come to me, they're stuck in a right versus wrong paradigm. I'm right, you're wrong. How could you possibly see that? That's just so wrong. And they're also stuck in a paradigm of how could you say that about me? How could you think that about me? How could you offer me so little respect? And when I say that I'm on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity, what I'm looking to do is help them reclaim their dignity and kind of, and therefore maybe sort of undo some of that stuff. So not so that they can stay together, but so that they can have a future together as co-parents and that they can honor the relationship that they have had, even if it no longer exists in the same way that it did. And so in the work that you're doing, which is more on the front end, right, Mm-hmm. Of, of where people might start to say, okay, well, we need to work on this before we get to, you know, calling up Catherine Miller, making an appointment with her, right? How can we find some way to acknowledge we see things differently and not make it about right and wrong? I think it's really finding the way. So, I mean, you're right. We do think differently. There are inherent skills, traits, thought processes that men and women have differently. But I think it's finding the positives and really focusing on what that brings. Like Rachel's empathy is something that I can't feel the exact same way that she does. The way that she works that way is incredible. At the same time that I can finish a task. If I have like my tunnel vision, you know, kind of the start to finish men's brain thing, like want to fix something, I'll get locked in and complete a task without any distraction. And you find those positives that you have in your relationship and you revel in it rather than try to find the negative aspects of it. Yeah, I think that's that's really an interesting way of looking at it because really another thing that is kind of interesting is that, and this is, you probably experienced this as well, but the things that initially sort of draw us together are the things perhaps that drive us the most crazy at the end. What do you think about that? 100%. 100%. And I think it really, again, comes back to you brought it up, Catherine, is, is empathy. Even on a, we were talking about physiology, you know, a woman's cycle is 28 days and a man's is 24 hours. Yeah. So a man resets every single day. So every morning he wakes up, he's like, cool, I'm the same as I was yesterday at this time. And for a woman, we're like, I am so different than I was yesterday. And tomorrow is it like, we're like floating around even in, that fundamental basis of hormones were different every day. So it's really, how can I understand my partner? How can I love the parts of him or her that I don't necessarily love? And how can, like Kyle's saying, how can we take something that might be really annoying in one fashion? You know, if he gets caught up in a cooking project, I will lose him for like days. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm off here doing it. And I'm like, didn't you remember we had this thing? Because he's so focused. And yet I can't focus for that long. I'll be like, squirrel, this, that, baby, oh, dog. You know, I'm, I'm all over the place. So it's like, how can we take that that could be seen as very annoying and turn it into something incredibly positive and give it a container for, for positivity to help the relationship instead of create conflict? 
I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530, also available at divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with the founders of the Wright Wellness Center, Kyle Wright and Rachel Wright. And rights. If there are people out there listening who are interested in getting more information about what to do or about the Right Wellness Center, how can they find out more? If you go to our website, it's www.rightwellnesscenter.com. That's W-R-I-G-H-T, wellnesscenter.com. We have an entire vault of free resources, everything from communication scripts to help you identify and express your feelings to some sexy stuff for you to things to reconnect over long-term relationships, to coping with anxiety. We have a vault full of free resources. And if you go there and uh, scroll down to the one that fits you the most, we would love to have you in there and connect with you. And so how does, how does the work with you begin? People are saying, all right, so we're, all right, maybe we're in that transition from the in love to long-term commitment place, which seems like maybe not a bad place to be when you start doing some work on building a relationship that's going to last. What would the process be that as for people coming in to start working with the two of you? Well, because the world of couples work is so nuanced and varied, sometimes it's, you know, repeated sessions, sometimes it's an intensive, sometimes it's a book, sometimes it's working with someone else. What we like to do is do one of our, what we call, next best step calls, where it's 20 to 30 minutes, free, you jump on the phone with the two of us and just talk out what you want out of your relationship, where you want to be in 12 months, and then we'll work with you to make sure you get on the right track to get what you want for your relationship so you can be truly happy. And honestly, what I love about it is that sometimes it's not working with us. Yeah. You know, sometimes it is, and that's great. Of course, we love that, and we love being able to to help as many people as we can. But sometimes people think that they need something more than they do, and vice versa, of course. But it's really nice to get to just connect with people all the time and be able to refer them to, like I said, a book or another person or perhaps starting work with us. So you're saying that sometimes the best thing to do isn't to work with you. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're not a good fit for everybody. I curse like a sailor. If somebody gets offended by that, they should not be working with us. So what are the kinds of issues that you really like helping people with? Oh, man, you have another hour. Um, <laughs> I would say the main things that we truly like that light us up every day would be really effective communication, yeah. fighting fairly, navigating conflict, Communicating about sex and differences in libido and navigating that. Anything else that comes to mind? Uh, mostly the communication structure and preventing a harsh startup in arguments, which is, you know, having a conflict. Because everyone has arguments. Everyone has conflict in their relationship. But how you do it is so important. And watching couples realize the how is so, the value of the how in their relationship and the arguments is so powerful. And I love watching it. Also, sometimes, you know, people will come to us and not really know what it is that's wrong. They just know that something is off or something could be better. And so what we do with that is we actually start with a research-based relationship assessment. And it's essentially a blood panel for your relationship, but, you know, no needles required. Each person in the couple takes it separately on the computer. And I, as the licensed therapist go through and turn it into a PowerPoint. And then Kyle and I go over it with the couple. 
And so that can actually really help inform their next step. If perhaps they're not clear on what it is that's really going on, we can really get under the hood. That's great. You know, that sort of circles back to where we were at the top of the show, where we were talking about how you sort of came out of a corporate environment and, and sort of applying some of those corporate consulting, maybe, or facilitating ideas into the marital relationship, because we're much more respectful of people at work, aren't we? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's really nice to see an objective scoring of your relationship outside of what your opinion is. Plus, people always think they're going to do worse than they actually do on the assessment. Everyone assumes <laughs> a really negative response, and usually there's way more positives in their relationship than there are negatives. What are the kinds of things that the assessment assess? It assesses everything from mental health diagnoses like alcoholism, um, anxiety, depression, to how you were raised and if it is the same as your partner and how that affects. It assesses conflict, rather. Um, it's based off of John and Julie Gottman's research. So it's the sound relationship house. So it goes over shared meaning and the strength or the foundation of trust and commitment and how well you know your partner. It is a very holistic assessment and it gives us a really good idea of what exactly is going on. What's something that has been a big surprise for you working together doing this work in our last few seconds together? Oh, man. You know, the biggest surprise for me is watching Kyle become this, like, mini therapist. He he could take the licensing exam in any state and pass it. And that, to me, is so cool because he was not... I'm the academic between us. And to watch him really develop into this nerd of psychology has been really surprising and wonderful. Yeah, I'd say uh, I'm always blown away at the value of having another man in the room for other men. When we see a couple two-on-two, the guy is so much more open with his feelings and sharing vulnerably. It's a really interesting transformation, so I, I love the ability to help men in such the way that we get to, and uh, plus working with my wife is super fun. Awesome. That's all the time we've got. Rachel Wright and Kyle Wright, thank you so much for being our guests on Dialogue on Divorce. It's been great. Thank, thank you. you.